Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And so you can see just their, their hearts just turning cold now, you know, and God's saying, I've given you the land, go up, I'm with you. And, and, and yet they would not go. And you know, that's always a, a thing we have to be careful of. You know, if God is with you, who can be against you, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's a song we sing. It's a verse that we know. If God is for us, who can be against us? But we have to believe it. We have to believe what God says. We have to honor him by trusting in his word. And that requires faith. And it's okay to pray for faith. I pray for faith every single day. Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of Truth in Christ. Do you honor God by trusting in Him? Today, Pastor Rob concludes this series of chapter 1 in the book of Deuteronomy by analyzing how the nation of Israel was given the opportunity by God to look over the promised land that they would possess, but failed to trust God in all of His wisdom. They refused to enter because of their own fears and failed to place their trust in the God they all depended on to protect them in the wilderness. As followers of Jesus Christ, how often do we do the same thing by allowing our fears and lack of faith to miss an opportunity God is giving us? Lord, strengthen our faith in you so that we are able to follow your narrow path of righteousness. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's message. It's, it's for peace and for good. That's, that's what a father is. My daughter, had, you know, I, I had talks with her. I'm like, honey, do you realize that when I say no on certain things, it's not because I don't want to give them to you. I want to give you everything, and that's the problem. If I give you everything that you want, you're going to be a horrible, nasty person because all your life you're going to get everything you want, and the first moment when you get it to be an adult and you can't have what you want, you're going to throw a temper tantrum at 22 years old in Walmart, and it's going to look really ugly. You're going to start pouting, and you're going to throw yourself on the ground and start flailing and foaming at the mouth. And you're going, to be, you're going to look like one of those demoniacs that we read about in Matthew. That's really embarrassing. A 22-year-old should not be frothing at the mouth unless you're going through a seizure, okay? So, um, and, and having a, a fit, a, a meltdown. But God loves us. He doesn't want to destroy you. So verse 28, he says, Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Uh Uh-oh. The sons of Anakim there. The sons of Anak, descendants of the Nephilim. These beings that mingled themselves with the the seed of, of men and with women and these, they, whether they're fallen angels and mingled themselves with women and had offspring, I don't know the whole story, but whatever it is, they are a genetic nightmare. These, these people, this race of people are huge. They're giants. They literally were giants. We see um, mention of them in the Bible. But you know what? It's, it's a discouraging thing because 
There's always a little leaven. When, when, when he said here, where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged us. Those ten spies, they had the evil report. And only J, uh, Caleb and Joshua said, you know what? We, we, can t- we can do this. God is for us. He's with us. Let's go up now and do it. If they would have done that, they would have been successfully, wildly successful. But instead, they listened to the ten. You know, the mob is very rarely right. The mob is very rarely correct. Very rarely is the mass correct. In 1 Corinthians verse 5, verse 6 and 7, it says, Your glorying is not good, he says to the Corinthians, Paul does. Do you not know that a little little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out that old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. See, they were worrying, and they were not trusting in the Lord. They were worrying, and we, we worry as well. There's this article that I found on Huffington Post. I don't, I'm not, I don't condone Huffington Post, nor do I, um, I don't have anything good or bad to say about them, but I did find this article, and I thought it was interesting. It was the title of the article, and this was back in 2015, and it was updated in 2017, but it was by... Um, a a reporter, and the title of the article was 85% of what we worry about never happens. It says, 500 years ago, Michel de Montaigne, I'm butchering this French name, he said, and this is interesting, he says, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened, right? Now there's a study that proves it. This article says, as the study looked into how many of our imagined calamities never materialize. In this study, subjects were asked to write down their worries over an extended period of time and then identify which of their imagined misfortunes did not actually happen. And lo and behold, it turns out that 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. And with the 15% that did happen, 79% of subjects discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than expected, or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. That means that 97% of what you worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misperceptions. Think about that. Think about how often you worry, just like the children of Israel. They're sitting there at the border, and the, the spies come back, and they're like, I don't know, I don't, think, I don't think we can do it, I don't think we can do it, Bob. I don't think we can do it, right? And God's saying, well, Go. I've already given you the command. That means I've gone before you. And when I'm with you, they are going to be completely defenseless. Believe me, God has a way of confusing armies. He did it in the Old Testament. We, we, we hear of records of it where all of a sudden the army is just completely confused. You see what Gideon did when he did the, the lamps with the, the things over them and, and, and the, that whole nonsense? I mean, that was a really brilliant uh, military strategy. It totally confused the other, the enemies. They were completely confused. They started killing each other. They were so confused. But we don't need to worry about worry because the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, let me read it to you, because we worry more than anybody else, I believe. And even us in this room, we struggle with worry. We're always worrying about something. Am I going to get cancer? Am I going to get this? Am I going to get that? Oh, I feel a pain in my right side. Oh, I think my appendix is going to explode. Oh, wait, it didn't explode. Oh, it's probably something else. I probably got, I probably got you know, parasites in my tubes, right? There's something going on, right? 
And so we worry about everything. But Jesus said, notice verse 25 of Matthew 6. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. You've heard this, but I'm going to read it to you again just to torture you. What you will eat, don't worry about what you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor, they, nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? And the obvious answer is no. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither do they toil nor spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And I wonder how he said that. It's probably so gentle. You know, how you say something is just as important as, how, as what you say, right? He could have said, you know, now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Or did he say, Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, which will, which, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little, little faith? Ugh! Little faith, that's your name now. Little faith. No, he doesn't do that. Therefore, verse 31, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God. There's the key. And yet, how often do we do that? Really. I can point myself, I can look in the mirror and point at myself and say, you don't do that enough, Rob. (laughs) You don't do enough of seeking first the kingdom of God. I don't do enough of it. I should be doing a lot more. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all the, all the things that you need, they will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about the things of its own. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There is so much wisdom in that. So much wisdom in that. You can worry about tomorrow. I, I, this, this has happened to me. I remember one time I was in college, and I didn't even know the Lord at the time. And the Lord, that was the, the, the college that I got saved in. It was near my senior year. So I was getting pretty close to the moment that I gave my heart to the Lord, probably within a few, I'd say probably six months. And I remember going into an exam, and the night before I was cramming, and I forgot about it, I didn't prepare well. And so I'm up doing those 24-hour, you know, 48-hour things where you're just like, everything you do, you're eating while you're reading the book, and you're highlighting and underlining, and you're just like losing your brain for this test that's going to happen two days from now. And then we come to that day, and I'm like, you know, drinking eight pots of coffee, and you're just, your eyeballs are bulging out of your head, and your, everything, is, everything is frazzled. All your corpuscles are blown, and you're just like, you just look like, look like a mess. You look like a straw man. And you, you're walking into the test, and you look at the door, and there's a sign on the door. It says, class is canceled. See you next week. And I love it. I was so worried, and God in his mercy, again, trying to teach me something. He's like, why did you worry about all that? I knew that that was going to happen. I'm like, well, great, God. Why couldn't you have told me? Because I enjoy seeing you go through this. No, he really doesn't enjoy seeing us go that. But I learned a lesson. I can worry all I want. And then, has it happened to you where you've worried about something and the next day you're like, so don't worry about tomorrow. 
97% of what you worry about is not going to actually materialize. So don't worry. Let's read one thing here, and then we're going to close. Because right here at this point, down through verse 28, we need to read. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to read the entire chapter. And then we're going to stop there. And why are we reading it? Because it's been a while since we've been here. And also, again, this passage of Scripture is a summary of things that have happened in the past. And you're going to notice as we read it again, verse, or chapter 13 is not very long, and then we'll stop. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a great, it's, it's really wonderful. So let's just read it. So Numbers chapter 13, and it's speaking about the spies being sent into the land of Canaan. Now we get the whole story. Remember, Deuteronomy is just a retelling of the law, a retelling of it and not all of it. He's summarizing it, but it's been a while, so let's just read it, because there's a lot we can get from this. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran. Now, Paran, you'll notice when it talks about Paran and the wilderness of Zin, the, the wilderness of Paran actually encompasses the wilderness of Zin. And so when it talks about them leaving Paran and it talks about them leaving the wilderness of Zin, they're really talking about the same thing. One really encompasses the other. So both, both comments or are, are statements are true. Okay? So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the commandment of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were their names from the tribe of Reuben. And he goes through the list here, and I'm not going to um, read those right now for the sake of time, but each one of these men, including Joshua and Caleb, Joshua being from the tribe of Judah, and Caleb, I'm sorry, Caleb being from the tribe of Judah, and Joshua being from the tribe of Ephraim. Uh, Let's pick up in verse 16. It says, These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, who it mentioned earlier, the son of Nun, Joshua. And Jesus is our Joshua, right? That's what Mary called him when he was running around the house when he was little. She would yell out, Joshua, time to come in for dinner, right? Okay, Mom, I'm coming. So Joshua, verse 17, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south. I love this. Moses told them to do this. God gave to Moses the game plan. This is what you want to do. Have you noticed in Samuel when God was speaking to uh, David? David would win a victory. And then... The next day, the Philistines would come and they'd gather in the same place, another group of them, and it would make sense. Well, let's do the same thing. It worked the first time, and God's, no, don't do that. I want you to do something different. I want you to go up, and when you hear the sound in the mulberry trees, then go, for I've delivered them into your hand, right? Totally different strategy. And see, that's the way we always need to be. God doesn't always do the same thing the exact same way all the time. Sometimes you have to be listening We have to be listening. So he says to Moses, uh, Go up to the land of Canaan and say to them, Go this way into the south and go up to the mountains and, and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. These are all important questions. If we're going to go up against this land, I hope there's forests because we can hide in forests. But if it's just a land full of desert, how can you hide in the desert? 
They can see you coming a mile away. All the dust is kicking up, all your camels and everything like that. It looks like a dust storm coming at you, right? He says, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, right? He said the wilderness of Paran in the beginning, but they're both really the Zin is part of the wilderness of Paran. As far as Rahab, near the entrance of Hamath, and they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Shishai, and Telmei, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. And then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. And the place was called the valley of Eshkol, which literally means a cluster, because of the cluster which the men had cut down. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation and and the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And you can just see them like bated breath. Hey, tell us what it was like. What was it like? Did they have a McDonald's drive-thru? Was there a Chick-fil-A there, man? Yeah? So... Verse 27, then they told them and said, we, we went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, nevertheless, circle that word. Here's the problem. The key changes from G major now to F sharp minor. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. <laughs> The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb, finally, the one with reason, he comes and he says, hey, listen, you guys, settle down. Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, For they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people saw whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants. In other words, the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, came came, uh, from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And so you can see just... Their, their hearts just turning cold now, you know, and God's saying, I've given you the land, go up, I'm with you. And, and, and yet they would not go. And you know, that's always a, a thing we have to be careful of. You know, if God is with you, who can be against you, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's a song we sing. It's a verse that we know. If God is for us, who can be against us? But we have to believe it. We have to believe what God says. We have to honor him by trusting in his word. And that requires faith. And it's okay to pray for faith. I pray for faith every single day, and especially now, because I'm like, Lord, I need everything you've got because I cannot do this without you. Without you, I am nothing. With you, I'm nothing. But without you, I'm really nothing. I'm like the gum on the bottom of a shoe, on the bottom of a shoe, right? So I really, really need you. I need discernment. I need your Holy Spirit upon me, and so do all of us. We all do because we live in a world that is governed by sin. In our own lives, we see it, and we see others. And I mean, just look at what's happening in our country right now with the with the the Supreme Court thing that's happening. What a fiasco! What a horrible stain on our country. I mean, really, 
Is there anybody in that room, if, we were to, if God was to expose every single one and all the Supreme Court judges and put their sin up on the screen, we'd say, you're not qualified, you're not qualified. We're all unqualified. Everyone is unqualified. It's only by grace that you are in the position you're in. It's only by grace. So we need to pray. <laughs> we need to really pray for discernment in these days. Please pray for discernment over your own hearts and the discerning of spirits. Pray for God to give you the, the, uh, the gift of faith, the gift of grace, the gift of repentance. You know it's a gift? Repentance is a gift. I love that. That God can give me the gift of repentance. Maybe there's a sin in my life that I've just been struggling with all my life, and I'm finally like, and then the Lord finally gives you victory over it, and you never turn back from it. You've been given the gift of repentance. It's a wonderful thing. So we are no different than the children of Israel. We are the same. He fashions our hearts alike. There's none good, no, not one, but he fashions our hearts alike, and each one of us can learn. And that's why I love going through the Old Testament. That's why I love going through Deuteronomy, because we see the failures and the mistakes of Israel. And, you know, one day I'd like to to talk to them, each one of them, and say, you know, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, we're going to see them in glory. Do you know that? And to say, you know what, I'm so glad that you, you had no choice really, but the Holy Spirit saw fit to record your ups and downs. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to go up to David and say, hey, David, what was that like, man? He's like, man, you have no idea. But God was faithful through it all, right? He was faithful to me through the whole thing. And even when I messed up really big, 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 big mess ups, I killed a man. I took his wife, had an illegitimate child by him. I mean, can there anything, I mean, honestly, Each one of us, if we were to think of something happening to us, if each one of us had that problem right now where we had killed somebody and we took their spouse and and had an illegitimate child, how would you feel right now? Right now, how would you feel if you hadn't completely given yourself over to the Lord and hadn't asked him to forgive you and all that? You'd be like David was. My moisture is just dried up. I feel like 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 a turtle that's lost its shell. I'm just dried up like a like a like a, a sagebrush rolling around bumbleweed in the in the in the you know desert. So let's stand and let's pray and just ask the Lord to to teach us as we go through it's such an incredible incredible things we can learn. And we'll pick up in verse twenty nine next week. Father, we do thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for your encouragement, Lord. We thank you, God, that Lord, you see all of our mistakes. Lord, in Psalm 139, we're reminded that the very things that we're going to think about tomorrow, the very words that we're going to say a week from now, Lord, you've already seen those words. You've already heard them in your ears, Lord. You've already heard my thoughts. You've already heard and seen the deed that I'm going to do three months from now. You're going to see that unkind attitude that I'm going to have tomorrow already, and yet, God, you love me still. You love us still, right now, right where we're at, knowing that and having perfect knowledge of all things. Lord, help us to learn from the children of Israel. Help us not to point our finger at them and say, if I were in the same situation, I wouldn't have done that. Lord, the chances are we probably would have done worse, perhaps. Given time and experience and and, uh, circumstance, we would. So Lord, help us tonight and just help us to to call on you, Lord, to, to really pray for faith, to really pray for your grace, to pray for compassion, to pray for discernment, to pray for the gift of, of uh, 
of repentance, Lord, to pray for all these things, Lord, that we might be your ambassadors in this world that needs to hear about you. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.